You're listening to your United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. ProQ Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Mano Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out commandojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. I'm Dan and I'm here with my co-host Ben. Hello. And on today's show we have Richard Turner. Hey Richard, are you alright? Hi Ben, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks mate. Um, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a lack of Dan on today's show because the uh, technology's let us down a bit connecting us to Kuala Lumpur this weekend. So we're, uh, we'll truck on without him um so could you just uh start off by giving me a little introduction about who you are and what you're about uh so i'm a, a chef uh writer um butcher uh who is involved in hawksmoor Metopia, turner and george foxlow blacklock pick and a new one called plant life a new festival called plant life Oh, plant life. I haven't heard of that one yet. So what's that one going to be about? Well, that's going to launch next year. That, that'll that be uh, plant-based uh, food. Not vegetarian, but plant-based. And it's going to be... Uh, uh, the, the the vegetables will be the, show, the start of the show. And But you can sort of, you know, flavour them with anchovies or bacon or, you know, whatever. Beef dripping, whatever you want. But the vegetables are the star. And it's going to be a festival. Along the lines of Metopia, but, you know, a little bit more healthy, hopefully. <laughs> that's awesome because obviously there's there's always seems to be that kind of stigmatism in the barbecue world i guess of like it's all about the meat doesn't it but um there's plenty of people out there that are still loving the veg and doing some awesome stuff with it as well i've in my yep. family we eat a hell of a lot of vegetables and try and eat vegetarian food at least two or three times a week we kind of just do like you say it can be a, a healthier way of living yeah, yeah. I mean, sixty percent uh, vegetables is what you're supposed to be eating, isn't it? But uh, few of us ever get there. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you reeled off a huge amount of things there in just like a kind of blasé list, but like nearly all of those things that you've you mentioned are all hugely successful and like awesome. Uh, pick you. I I had the pick you book. I guess was kind of my like one of my first ever barbecue books and absolutely yeah. loved it it's and it's i guess it's kind of i think because it was my first book i didn't realize at the time how like kind of different it is to other barbecue books that are out and the the style of stuff that's in the pick you book is it's not kind of just your usual barbecue book that you pick up and go here's some brisket here's some ribs there's a lot of other stuff in it isn't there yeah i mean we we, we came from uh from a sort of chefy background myself and Tom Adams um, and 
but so we, we weren't really barbecue cooks, but we we ended up using barbecue techniques and smokers and and uh, wood grills and whatever, um, and adapting you know a chefy background to that kind of cooking. And it was at a time when when this was um, just coming to fruition. I mean, people were just getting into it. I think we were one of the first people to actually start doing it properly. And so there wasn't really a, a you know a rule book. I mean, we we we'd been to America, we'd been to um, South Carolina and Kansas and Texas, and we'd eaten all of that food. But um, but we you know we weren't following the barbecue bible. We were just cooking stuff we like to cook, using barbecue techniques and, and live fire. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is quite different to any anything else out there. Uh, there's a lot of luck involved, obviously. <laughs> we didn't really know what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and obviously the Pit Q restaurant as well goes alongside it. I, I, put, I haven't been to Pit Q. Dan has, so he'd have been able to chip in here and say how awesome it was when he went there because he was telling me how much he loved it. Um, yeah, I mean, Pit Q is always evolving. It's not the same restaurant it was uh, five years ago. Um, the chefs are continually, uh, continuously adapting and uh, improving and evolving and uh, it's now got its own brewery and um yeah it's it's, it's, it's you know it's, it's a growing thing it's like a, a work in progress um who knows what it'll be like in five more years time yeah exactly um yeah so definitely to people out there who haven't got the pit cube book i wholeheartedly recommend it to anyone because it is it's just that bit different and we picked out some amazing things uh Last year when Dan and I were on uh, My Kitchen Rules, we used a couple of ideas from the Pit Q book in some of our recipes in the show. Cool. Yeah. Which ones? Um, we did the jalapeno, like sour, uh, the cornbread, like sour cream cornbread. Oh, right. We used okay. that one. Yeah. That was one of our, on one of the first shows we did, we put that in there. Um, and we've also used some of the kind of pickling recipes as well. Yeah, yeah, the pickles are good. Yeah, yeah we're very proud of those. Yeah, yeah. So, so what? Let's, let's take a step back, I guess, and like, how did you get into the sh- kind of chefing world? Because I know it wasn't your first port of call in life, was it? Uh, no, I, I I went to um, a kind of military school in, when I was eleven, like a, a school in Surrey, um, where they dressed you up in uniforms and made you march around a bit. And I was there till I was sort of 16, left left that school um, and joined the army fairly shortly afterwards. Uh, spent sort of six or so years in, in, in the British Army um, playing, playing soldiers, action men. <laughs> uh, and then after leaving, I got involved in um, security work, uh, close protection, and I, I found myself sort of eating in some really nice restaurants. Uh, in London and after doing that for a year I don't think it was even a year it was probably 11 months or something I thought actually do you know what this is pretty boring <laughs> and I'd quite like to learn how to cook this food I'm eating so I uh, not knowing anything about restaurants except the ones I was eating in I, I sort of banged on Marco Pierre White's door and banged on the Rue Brothers door and badgered them into letting me work for them and that's how I got started first with the Rue Brothers and then with Marco so is that a good method you'd recommend for chefs then? <laughs> Just badger Marco Pierre White well, and see what happens? <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably not. I mean, I was quite <laughs> persistent and I was pretty confident uh, and not really scared of anything. So, you know, when you're like that, you can probably go and bang on people's door and just 
just badger them into letting you in the kitchens. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't recommend it for yeah. anyone, though. I'll try it sometime. <laughs> yeah, belligerence yeah. Is the, uh, is, was my trait at the time. <laughs> yeah. So then, so you worked with Marco Pierre White then for a few years, and then did you decide to venture well, out on Rue, your own? Or Rue Brothers first, then then um, Marco for a very short period of time, then Kaufman, then I was back with Marco for five years, uh, and there are a few other people. And I went to France and did a stint with Decas and Robuchon and a few other sort of big names, um, and then I opened my own pub in, in Islington. Uh, when I was six or seven years before um, before Hawksmoor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, you know, I worked in sort of five sort of five three Michelin star restaurants initially uh, over a period of years uh, before I decided I didn't want to eat that food or, or cook it. So I sort of pulled out of that and became a more sort of, what's the word, rustic maybe, rustic cook. Yeah. I, like, um, I like simple food. I like, I'm, I'm known to, be a meat cook but actually that's not strictly true I'll, I'll cook fish and vegetables I just like things simple um, and uh, and I like food to taste of what it what it is not be covered up with you know loads of sauces and, and you know clever techniques so um, yeah I've, I've gone more down the sort of St. John route I think mm. this yeah. is more my style now yeah so what what um, do you think in, what inspired you was it purely just based on that was what you liked eating so that's why you wanted to go down that route or is there someone that yeah, you I mean, saw St. John was the restaurant that I enjoyed eating in more than any other restaurant yeah. so I was cooking in all these flash Michelin starred restaurants doing at the time we were doing like dots on plates with, with mayonnaise dots and yeah. stuff and, <laughs> and little, the chervil was all facing the right way and all the same way and it was just like oh, it was ever so slightly twee and camp in retrospect but yeah <laughs> But then I ate at um, Fergus Sanderson's St. John and um, had a bit of an epiphany, saw the light and, uh, and yeah, knocked it on the head and went and opened a pub and, and you know, basically cooked from from, um, from Fergus's nose to tail eating. Uh, over, the, over a period of years, I developed my own style away, away from that, but, uh, and then discovered live fire and that obviously informed everything I did. Um, so, I mean, most of my food is kind of learnt from books with a, a background in, you know, a background, a solid three mission star background. Yeah. To allow, allow me to be able to read a book and understand what I'm doing from it, if it's correct or incorrect. But a lot of books is what's really informed my cookery, yeah. if I'm honest. Yeah. So what do you think, mm. what would you recommend if you're going to recommend some, like, books to people to kind of, your your personal oh, favourite book? books, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm Hawksmoor at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, my favourite books at the moment are things like Joe Beef, um, which is a, a Montreal restaurant. Uh, I like Gramercy Tavern. I like anything by April Bloomfield. Um, I like, there's a book called Classic Kaufman, which is Kaufman's food, but Kaufman's food, although he had three million stars, is really quite sort of down to earth and, and easy, easily accessible. Mm. Um, the complete nose to tail is Fergus's book, which is all of his books together. That's a great book. Um, what else? Uh, I, I quite like pickling and preserving stuff, though. Yeah. There's one called Preserving the Japanese Way. I like. There's one called Cultured Foods. Um, yeah. 
pickling's definitely yeah, like cool. is like I know, I'm sure it's obviously it's been around for a long time because it's one of the original food preservation methods. But it seems to be becoming more and more trendy these days, isn't it? and like lots of places are pickling their own stuff, and there's all sorts of different variations and flavor profiles coming around with it. Yeah, well, it's extremely healthy and good for you. I mean, if you if you're doing lactobacillic um, preservation where you're using the bacteria to to sour it, then that's incredibly good for your gut flora. So actually, people believe, or there seems to be a belief that you can make yourself healthier by eating this stuff. All right, I'll try it then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You've got a whole, whole, load of, whole load of pickled eggs in the fridge, so I'll scoff them in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure that's quite something there. Vinegar pickles are different. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, so then, so what was your kind of next venture into the world of the restaurants then after you'd had your pub? Uh, okay, then I approached the Hawksmoor boys and asked to join them and film a lot in with them, um, which they sort of said yes, surprisingly. And then we, we started to expand the company. We've now got sort of seven Hawksmoors. Um, somewhere along the way, I, I, I sort of did a detour and opened Turner and George um, with my business partner, James George, who was my butcher at the time. Um, what else did we do? We opened Foxway. And Fox had came to fruition. And there's now three of those. Uh, and then somewhere slightly later on, we we got together an open black lot. Um, and there's two of those at the moment. So they just sort of came about organically with all these restaurants. Yeah. So, so what? Time, time, time on their hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, with Turner and George then, Butcher's... Um, I'd, I think I heard of Turner and George Butchers before I realised that the Turner was you. So <laughs> I was, I was just everyone in every, all of my friends that live in London and stuff were all like, "That's this is the best butcher around." How did you come about wanting to go into like a butchery? Like, like you said, was your partner was already like a successful yeah, butcher, he, or is he? he? Yeah, he he is and was a successful butcher, um, but to the trade and. The, the price of meat is going up and the quality of meat is going down and we want to go the other we want to go the other way and try and sort of serve the most ethical extensively farmed meat the tastiest meat we could we could find and try and sort of hold the price I mean it's never going to be cheap but try and hold the price at a level where people can afford it um, so all of our meat is is you know we, we visit the farms we look at the animals we we sort of check to make sure they're being kept properly. They're not being grown too fast. Just growing meat fast is, is the enemy of flavour. Anything that grows fast doesn't taste good. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of our, all of our, they use the farmers will use all sorts of tricks to try and speed up the process because it makes money. It's, you know, money talks. Yeah. But all of the animals that we uh, we go to visit and all the meat we we, we sell is grown slowly and normally, sort of like ethically, sustainably. Um, extensively with the way farming was sort of, you know, a hundred years ago because there are still people out there that, that you know, really believe in it. Um, it's not easy but uh, but you can taste the difference for sure. Definitely. And I think, like, I think the media and TV shows and stuff is helping with this as well, isn't it? Like, people care a, a lot more. There seem to be, like, a period of time where 
I don't know if people didn't care, but they just I don't think that people were aware where they where their food was coming from and it's come back round now and people do care more about where their food comes from and it's I guess people like you guys that have allowed that to become a thing that people can engage with again. Yeah, people, people are fascinated by it. I mean, we're, we're learning that this, this, you know, the availability of food is is not necessarily a good thing for us in this country. I mean, the fact that you can go to the supermarket and buy chicken for, I don't know what they cost, £3.99 or something, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and, and eat, you know, eat a whole chicken yourself if you want. Or, or go and buy, I mean, the availability of food now is just, it's so easy that we, we're overeating and we're eating the wrong kind of food. We're just not designed to eat this, this kind of food. And we're getting sick because of it. Obesity is just one thing. Diabetes, high blood pressure. Um, you know, if you, if you, I mean, I'm no doctor, but uh, if, if you just eat less of, of the kind of foods we're eating and more sort of nice green vegetables, and I think we'll all get a lot healthier. And people are doing that themselves. I mean, people are you know, getting on the bandwagon and and altering their diet. I'm not saying become a vegetarian. I would never say that. But um, but definitely more vegetables and less meat and high quality and less of it. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's processed foods are like the real danger, I think, really, aren't they? Because people yeah. aren't even, I think quite often aren't even aware that what they're eating is processed food and the amount of extra stuff that's pumped into these foods these days, which... Just kind of that's that's the big contribution as well to this kind of world of obesity and heart disease and stuff. There's the amount of extra things which shouldn't exist in some of these products. Yeah, I mean we're designed to work for our food. I mean, you know, evolution isn't something you can change in a few decades. We're designed to work for our food and, and have to, you know, glean small amounts of, of food from from hard graft. The moment you, you put it on a plate for us in, in huge quantities, we just you know, we're just overeating and we're eating the wrong kind of thing. And, you know, things like pizzas are great, you know, once a month. <laughs> Twice a week, you're going to get sick. Yeah. Ultimately. yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, not enough green stuff is, is the bottom line. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, science is, uh, or dietitians are now saying that the quantity of green stuff we need to eat is like is it eight portions a day. Yeah, it just uh, keeps going up, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you look at how much food that is. I mean, that's a that's a lot of green stuff that we're just not eating. I mean, I've tried eating that; and it's not easy. Yeah, well, I wondered it because it, obviously it was always five a day, and probably people were never managed to get their five a day. But so now they've upped it to eight. Do you think that at least that might make make people get the actual five now? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, you know, well, you know, we'll see. We're learning all the time about diet, so. But uh, yeah, good quality meat in moderation and loads of vegetables and pizzas is a treat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> have, mm. have you tried much of the kind of like alternative bases with pizzas that like we've done, like cauliflower base and broccoli base and stuff like that? No, I've not seen them. But I, I'm actually, I, I, I love vegetables. So I mean, just just normal vegetables in a bowl are delicious as long as you're buying good vegetables. So I, I, there's no need for me to disguise them in any way and put cheese on top. It's yeah. not necessary. I'm quite happy to eat cauliflower. Yeah. Yeah, we, I keep doing it. I keep like kind of doing, I call them cheats ways, but I'm just kind of like, I call it like a cheats cauliflower cheese where you just actually just put a whole cauliflower in the smoker, sprinkle a tiny bit of cheese on top and that's it. Just 
cook that. <laughs> you don't need to go to the extreme of full cheese sauce, all the rest of the crap that yeah. goes into it. Yeah. Sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> cool. So, Sounds similar to something Bob and you guys do in, uh, in London. Yeah. There's lots, yeah. lots. Yeah. I guess at the moment we're seeing more and more of this kind of asado cooking that's becoming very fashionable and with along with that is quite a lot of veg and stuff that goes with it as well you see big huge like butternut squashes and stuff just put in the fire and that's become quite a popular one that we've been cooking a lot of as well and yeah it's just simple and just really good flavors yeah i mean lifestyle is not just for me i mean you know ash baked beetroot's fantastic i've been ash baking carrots now onions um, in Tokyo in, in next week, I'm doing um, ash baked garlic uh, hollandaise. Um, so yeah, you can, you can you know you can put all sorts of vegetables in life Yeah. So what what ash baked does that just mean cooked in the ashes? Well, you, you, you take the uh, when it, when it's died down, it's gone. You know, you have the embers are in the bottom. You just chuck all your garlic in there and leave it in there to burn. And once it's burnt black, you take it out the top off and squeeze the smoked garlic out and just um, stir that into the hollandaise bit of fennel pollen bit of black pepper lovely mm, perfect <laughs> <laughs> and so, garlic's good for you yeah it is yeah <laughs> um, so, so let's have a chat about Meatopia then you've mentioned it it's coming up this weekend so everyone's probably pretty pumped for it now yeah yeah it's uh, it's uh, Friday Saturday Sunday we're expecting about 10 to 12,000 people um, I've got 75 chefs, about 20 of them are from around the world, Hong Kong, South Africa, America, various, sort of, you know, various areas around the world. And they're all coming over to cook unique dishes, um, drink lots of alcohol, party hard. Uh, there'll be some demos, some talks, uh, we've got loads of DJs coming, loads of music, um, and whiskey and beer, <laughs> amongst other things. <laughs> So, um, so for anyone yeah, who hasn't, yeah. So, any anyone who hasn't been to Meetopia before, like, what can they expect, like, when they arrive? Because I've seen on the websites it mentions meat bucks. Do people buy their meat bucks yeah. to spend on? You buy, you buy meat bucks. You buy drink tokens uh, on the way in, and then you use those in, inside the festival. Um, each meat buck dish is a little dish which weighs about 150 grams or something. Um, and just there's I mean, no way you can eat from every saw because you'd, you you wouldn't make it. You'd not get past twelve dishes. But but uh, eat the ones you, you like the sound of. Um, I reckon six is probably a good number to eat in, in one one day. Cool. <laughs> um, and uh, and drink lots and in the sun because it's really a good weekend. Yeah. So yeah, so really it. yeah, meet Meetopia is kind of. Your, you brought that to the UK, and Josh started that over in the US. I think. So how did you bring? Yeah, yeah. How did you come about like finding that and deciding to bring it over to the UK? Well, one of my business partners, uh, Matt Kemp, uh, was surfing online. He came across it online, and uh, we contacted him, Josh, in, in America, and said, "Look, you know, can we uh, can we bring you over? Can we, can we put your festival on over here?" And he's like. Yeah, let's do that. He's, he's quite, he, was, he was quite a, a, a loud um, New York Jewish guy. Uh, and he was playing up for anything. He was, he was hilarious chap. 
Uh, unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago. But um, we, we, we brought him over, we put on Utopia, we, we did it our own style because we didn't know how the, how the one in America was. We'd only seen it online, we hadn't seen the actual festival. And um, he he told us that ours was the best version that he'd ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Better than his so, own. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently so. Yeah, he was very impressed with what we did. Because we, you know, we just went from naught to 100 miles an hour overnight in, in the festival world. We, we didn't know that there were certain things you shouldn't be doing and certain things you should be doing. We just did what we wanted. Uh, consequently, we lost loads of money. Um, <laughs> and then we lost slightly less the second year, slightly less the third year. And I think last year we... We broke even, um, so we, we, you know, we, we, we hope one day to make a bit of money back. But yeah. at the end of the day, we, we do it for kicks and fun and giggles. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> I think there'll be plenty of those. And there seems yeah. like there's, there's so many like awesome chefs cooking there as well. Yeah, yeah, we've got some big names this year. I mean, we've got um, Angie Mark from the Beatrice in New York, uh, Nathan Green from uh, Rhoda in Hong Kong. Uh, we've got Ash. From her restaurant Ash in South Africa. Um, who else have we got? Oh, from these shores, we've got Nathan Outlaw yeah. and uh, Mitch Tonks, who are both cooking fish. Uh, we've got Yotan Oakland, you doing vegetables. Um, so, Mutopia by name, but not Mutopia by nature. There's, there's other things going on um, vegetables and fish, and, and you know, we're, we're trying to make it slightly less meaty and a little bit more healthy every year. Awesome. So, is everyone going to be cooking like over live fire as well? Yes, well, that's the rule. We don't allow any gas, um, no electricity, uh, no water baths, no, no, just live fire. So, wood burning ovens are okay. Um, charcoal grills, um, but uh, but live fire, yeah, for sure. Awesome. So, like some of these guys, I guess. Well, like you said, chefs, chefs are chefs, chefs can cook. But like some of these guys like Mitch Tonks, like they're not known for being live fire chefs. Are they They're just good chefs that know their food very well? Well, Mitch loves live fire. He's got, he's got a hostel down in, um, down in Dartford, Dartmouth, Dartmouth, sorry, not Dartford. Uh, so he's, he's cooked on live fire before and he's, he's up for anything. He's doing a pig trotter and fish thing. Pig trotter and crab, actually, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so different. <laughs> yeah, Mitch is one of, the, one of the best chefs in the country, so whatever he does is going to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, and Nathan as well. Nathan is one of the best chefs in the country as well. So between the two of them, that'll be an immense bit of cookery going on. Yeah, I see, like, Nathan just keeps popping up absolutely everywhere, doesn't he? He's like, every time I look anywhere on TVs, up here and there, and his restaurants are doing so well down in Cornwall. Yeah, I mean, he's reckoned to be the good food guy, named him the best chef in the country now. Uh, which is quite an honour. Um, so, yeah, we're lucky to have him. We're really lucky to have him. Yeah. Um, and Mitch Tonks is like a local guy to me. I live I live in Paynton, and we've got, um, well, he, in Dartmouth's only literally like 10 minutes drive away from where I live. And he's got his, yeah. uh, all of his like fish and chip shops around this area as well now that are doing amazingly well rockfish. And he, those are doing awesome and kind of everyone around yeah. here just knows that's the place to get your fish and chips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, he, he buys really good fish and he doesn't mess around with it too much. He just fries it. And yeah, I, I mean, I love those. Uh, I love those restaurants. So it's good to go down there occasionally. I go down there twice a year or so. Yeah. So you, books-wise, for me, you've got 
you got your pick you book you got prime you got hog you got Hawksmore, and also next month you've got another new book coming out as well i mean yeah, there's a second Hawksmoor book coming out. And Prime came out sort of um, three or four months ago. Uh, and a second Hawksmoor book comes out in, I think, either next month or October. Um, and it's sort of a bit more about the, the, the ethos and, and uh, the culture of Hawksmoor. Uh, so it's not, it's not as, as much quickly going on. There's still dishes in there and, and um, the food we've been doing recently. But uh, it's more about Hawksmoor and how it came about and the people. So we're approaching the kind of the end of the podcast, I guess now. But could, do you want to just tell me about like what's next for Richard Turner? Where are you going with Meetopia in the future and things like that? Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm in Singapore next month, uh, talking to people about putting Meetopia on in Singapore next year. Um, I'm keen to take it to Hong Kong. I think Asia is a, a good place to do Utopia. Um, they like food, and it's, it's exciting what's going on over there at the moment. Um, I'm also doing a restaurant in another little restaurant in uh, Park Lane uh, next year, and uh, Bangkok. I'm doing a similar sort of restaurant in Bangkok as well. Uh, what else? I'm doing a festival called Plant Life, which I told you about earlier. Yeah. Um, and I want to do a fish restaurant. Uh, with a very famous fish chef. Wow. But I can't tell you who it is yet. Oh, a little teaser there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So that's, that's what I'm doing next year. Yeah. And you've got also got Hawksmoor in New York as well coming as well. Yeah, yeah. Hawksmoor in New York, a huge restaurant. Um, might be the biggest steakhouse in New York, I think. But, yeah, yes, we'll do that as well. Go oh. keep moving. Yeah, yeah, you've plenty. You've got plenty of things on the go, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, juggling. That's what I do. I juggle. Yeah, juggling with fire. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Trying to drop. Awesome. Well, thanks for giving up some time to speak to me today, Richard. I know you must be really busy with Meetopia coming up this weekend. So, good luck with it all, and I'll see you there. Thanks very much. Have speak. a great uh, Bank Holiday Monday. And you, cheers, mate. Thanks, bye. You're listening to your United Q podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smoke with Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. Barbecue Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out commandojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. Whether it's smoking wood chunks, dust, chips or planks, you can find them at smokewoodshack.com. 
and you can find them on Twitter at Smoke with Jack. <laughs>